let me introduce you to a couple that I know of. Their names are Joe and Grace. And uh, they met about uh, two years ago. And uh, from day one, they just seemed to be head over heels in love with each other. Man, they were perfect for each other. Uh, All they wanted to do was to be with each other. Uh, Joe thought Grace was beautiful. She was outgoing. Uh, She was caring and compassionate and always there when he needed her. And so their relationship began to blossom for the first six months. um, Well, he just couldn't talk about anything else. As time passed, though, Joe, that relationship that they had just kind of uh, waned a little bit. He still enjoyed uh, the comfort and the familiarity that he had with her, but he didn't feel as passionate about her as he used to. Um, He doesn't even know for sure if she's as attractive as he used to think she was. And, well, even he's beginning to resent a little bit of the time that she demands of him. So one night, Grace went to Joe and she said, listen, we've, we've got to define where we stand. Um, are we together or are we not? Uh, wh- where is our relationship? What's the nature of it? And so she wanted that defined. Well, Joe just blew up. I mean, he just responded by saying, well, we're together, aren't we? Why isn't that enough for you? And it was very apparent to Grace and, well, obvious probably to us as well that he's not very interested in commitment. Um, He liked the relationship at arm's length. He liked to receive certain blessings or benefits from that relationship, but he just wasn't ready to settle down and make a commitment. And I think we all agree probably, and we're probably all sure that we've seen relationships like that, uh, where a person has, um, well, just they just won't commit. They're in a relationship with somebody, but one of the parties just will not commit, and it goes on indefinitely. And maybe we have been in one of those relationships ourselves, or maybe we've tried to help somebody out of a relationship like that, but I think we would all agree that that lack of commitment is not a good place to be. It, it, it creates a lot of insecurity, and there's just a lot of unanswered questions. And I share that story with you about Joe and Grace to tell you just this. There are a lot of Joes out there in the world. And there are, well, Grace, the, the Grace that I'm talking about isn't a girl. She's a church. I think what, what, what I want to share with you today is I, I'm pretty convinced that the relationship that maybe many of us ourselves sustain to the church and to Christ, we may be offering what we would think is unacceptable in the physical realm. You know, we might, as, as in a physical situation, think this is totally unacceptable. I will not put up with this. We're either going to commit to ourselves and commit to each other and go on our way and, and be married and be a couple, or we're going to stop. We would expect that. And we would demand that in a physical relationship. But that very thing is what sometimes we offer to Christ and to his church in a spiritual way. 
Um, we want a relationship sometimes to the church that is all about me. Um, I, and it's all on my terms. Um, I don't want to be committed. I don't want to be tied down. I want there to be no expectations from me. Um, and if you can get along with that, then we can get along. But we wouldn't put up with that. But that's what we sometimes offer to God. What I'm trying to say this morning, and what I want us to think about for a little bit, is that I think it's time we quit dating the church. It's time we decide to quit dating the church and enter into a committed relationship to Christ and his family. You know, I think that most everybody here today would agree, again, that we should avoid relationships that are directionless, relationships that are physical and, and uh, romantic but are leading nowhere. You know, we don't want our children in that, do we? You know, if there's a relationship that is romantic but there is no direction, there's no hope for tomorrow, there's never going to be any commitment in that, we would try to get our sons and daughters out of those kind of relationships because that's just a train wreck waiting to happen, is it not? But that may be the very relationship that we are trying to sustain to Christ and His church. We don't want to make a commitment to Him. We like attending on weekends. We like the social benefits. We like the get-togethers. We like the activities. But like Joe in the story, we don't want to settle down. You might liken some of us to a, a lover who has a wandering eye and just wants to keep you know, our options open. But is that, is that the way we should treat Christ and his church? Would you want to be with a person like that? Would you, listen, would you want to be with a person where you never felt total trust and, and security? Where that when you thought your back was turned, you don't know what they were up to? I don't think we would like that. But yet, that's what we've asked Christ sometimes to put up with. Um, when one scans the religious landscape, I, I think you might find that there are a lot of believers, but not many belongers. There are a lot of consumers out there, but not many communers out there. And that's a relationship that I think we need to change. And here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to, to do a little self-examination. Maybe we're talking about people that aren't living in Glasgow this morning. But it just might be the case that we're talking about you. And it may be me. I want you to open your Bibles to James chapter 1 and read with me. From a statement made in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. James said, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, 
and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. That passage uses an illustration of a mirror, and that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to look in a mirror. I want you to look in your mirror, and I want you to decide what you see. Do you see someone who is passionately committed to Christ and his church, or do you see a church dater? You know, I hate to tell this on myself, but I'm going to anyway, but Sometimes I'll get busy in the morning. I came up here a few months back, came to work. I don't know what day it was, and I was, it was mid-morning. I'd been here several hours. I'd talked to Nancy several times. I'd talked to Blaine several times, and I walked past a mirror, and my hair was everywhere. It was as, I had apparently gotten out of the shower, towel-dried my hair, and I didn't comb my hair that morning. Just totally forgot. They didn't tell me either. You know, I spent all morning just with my hair all over the place. And I looked in the mirror and I went, what in the world? You know what I didn't do? I didn't look in the mirror and then just walk on by. I tried to fix it. Of course, it was dried all funny and it didn't quite go the way it's supposed to. But I tried to do something about it. God says, look into... The perfect law of liberty. It's a mirror into our soul. And when you look in it, it reflects back as to who we should be and and who we truly are. And if you see yourself this morning as we talk about these things, don't walk away without fixing it. If you find yourself as one who is unwilling to make a commitment to Christ and his church, but would rather just stay at arm's distance and, and just date the church... Change it. Don't just walk away, but look into that mirror and make the corrections that are needed. Could it be that you're one who doesn't want to get involved too heavily in the church? Could it be that you're one who doesn't want commitments, doesn't want responsibility? You just want to have a fling with the church. You can usually identify a church dater by, well, I'll give you three quick little things that may give us a profile that we can do a little self-examination with. Usually church daters are people who are, have a me-centered attitude. When they come to the church, they come looking for, well, what can this place do for me? What can this place do for my family? What do they have to offer here? And probably they give little thought to, Where can we fit in and what can I contribute? How can we become better people and how can we help other people to be better people? Church daters usually are more concerned about what's in it for me than what can I give. Church daters are often, well, there's an independent side to them. They don't want to be tied down. They go to church because that's what they know they're supposed to do. And so they fulfill that obligation, but they're careful about getting too involved and getting to a point where people rely and depend upon them. They're present, but they're at a distance. Church daters are usually, well, they're usually critical. They see the church for all of its flaws, and those flaws usually are the excuses for not getting too involved. 
that you'll hear them say things like this. Well, you know what? I, I, that church, they're not very friendly down there. They're not a very friendly church. I've been to churches more friendly than that. Um, they, they may say things like um, the singing. You know, if the singing were just better. And I'll tell you, I, I can't barely hard to, barely take listening to that preacher. Um, it, it's just hard to listen to, and I'm sleepy, and he just he's boring. And then the members, they, they seem to be already in their own little cliques. They already know each other, and, and I don't seem to be able to break into that. And, and so, um, you know, boy, if it were like my home congregation, that'd be something different. You know, where I used to go to church, and it's always much better. You see, that, that tends to be uh, where church daters are. And here's what we do then. We look at the church, and we look at its imperfections, and we use those imperfections as an excuse not to get committed. Why would I get committed to a group of people that are so messed up? But folks, God has something better in mind for you than for you just to date the church. You know, there's something better for a man and a woman than to just date. I'm sure that man thinks that by avoiding commitment that he's somehow blessing his own life and that he's avoiding some burdens and so forth, but really he's missing out on the joy that God intends There's much more that if he would give himself fully to, and he's actually robbing himself of by not committing. And that's a truth that I think we have failed to realize when it comes to the church. When we don't get involved in the church, we rob ourselves of much more than we cost ourselves. Let me share with you, and I want you to look with me again. Open your Bibles to Ephesians. I want to look at three passages in Ephesians that talk about the church. And I want you to understand that the church is important. It is not of, you know, it's not insignificant. It's a part of God's eternal purpose. In Ephesians chapter 3, if you begin in verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, To me, who am less than least of all the saints, and grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, And make all to see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages had been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now, to the intent, get this, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Here's what Paul says in this passage. There is a mystery that God has known forever. Man hasn't known it that long. That's why it was a mystery. But we've just been let in on the secret. And here's the secret. That God from the beginning of time wanted to express his wisdom and to show to principalities and powers in heavenly places just how wise he was. And he used the church to do it. The church is not an afterthought. The church is the eternal purpose of God to manifest his wisdom to the world, both heavenly beings and and earthly beings. 
that's no small thing. And to think that God gives me an invitation to be a part of that, and then I don't want to, I, I want to stay at arm's length and don't want to be committed. This is the wisdom of God, and I don't want to get involved, and I have no passion for it. Look also at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 27. The relationship of the church and that which he sustains to Jesus is described in terms of a marriage. Wives, submit your own, uh, submit to your own husbands, verse 22, as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, I think it's probable that God didn't get his inspiration for loving the church from marriage. But rather, maybe one of the reasons God created marriage was to illustrate his love for the church. I think the church is is the expression of God's love. And we understand what it means to love a husband and a wife. Well, that's given so that we can understand what Christ means to the church and what the church means to Christ. Isn't it amazing here? Well, turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at one more passage. In Ephesians 1 and verse 22... The passage says he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, we talked about this just a little bit on Wednesday night. There are words sometimes we just kind of run over. They're, they're filler words, and we don't really catch the significance of it. The church of Jesus Christ is the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church completes Jesus. Without the church, Jesus is incomplete. Now, not intrinsically, but because of his choice. You know, and I've said this before. I, to, to say, I need Jesus, man, that's easy to say. Who can't say, I need Jesus? But how comfortable are you saying, Jesus needs me? Actually, that's true. Not intrinsically, but he's chosen to need you. Uh, and that's what the church does. It completes Jesus. Jesus would be incomplete. His mission would be incomplete without his church. That's how valuable the church is. What an honor to be a part of the church, to be the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's a blessing and it's amazing to think that God not only saved us, but he's invited us to participate in his master plan of redeeming men and bringing them back to himself and accomplishing reconciliation. Um, it's not just all done by God. God certainly sent his son and Jesus died on the cross and without that we'd have no hope. But God then said to his church, now I want you to take this message and I want you to share this with the world. They'll never know about it unless you do your part. And so we've been enrolled and enlisted in the work of God. We can't stay at arm's distance. 
then this is too great to stay at arm's distance. And there's too great of a need to stay at arm's distance. There are blessings that come by being a part of the body of Christ, but there are also responsibilities. And we need to quit dating the church and commit and give ourselves fully to the one that we love. Um, I know that to many people when you talk about committing to a church, to a local body of believers, that may stir up unpleasant memories or unpleasant feelings. For some people, church may just be, um, well, that place where there's a lot of bickering that goes on, fusses and fights and, and greed and arrogance, pride. Um, it may be one of those places where you see moral failure, where you shouldn't be seeing those kind of failures. Well, and if that's the case, and it may well be, I would just simply invite you to look at the church from the heavenly side and not just from the earthly side. You see, when you look at the church from God's perspective, what you see is a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. You see a group of people who at one time were enemies of God and each other for that matter. And they've been brought together in a family. And now they're one serving God under the same purpose and same goal. They're not perfect. But if they were, where would I belong? And where would would you belong? And if we look at that, if, if we look at the church from that heavenly perspective, then how can I write it off? And how can I use its shortcomings as an excuse not to get involved? Oh, yeah, I'd get involved down there at church. I, I'd, I'd be a part of that place, but they're not friendly enough. They, they don't love people like they should. They, they don't reach out to the lost souls in their community like they should. They, they're not as benevolent as they should be. They're too cliquish. Uh, They don't have enough activity. And you can just add to that list. How can I use that as an excuse to get involved in the church when I myself am imperfect? Listen, the only one who has the right to write the church off and say, I'm through with you, is Jesus. But he hasn't and he won't because he's committed to the church. Jesus is the only one who has the right to disown us, and he hasn't. And so neither should we. I'm just simply saying we today have a choice. We can go through life, and we can refuse to commit to the church. We can refuse to fall in love and to be passionately in love with the church. We can defy God's wisdom and say... I don't need the church. It's just another burden. I don't need that. We can defy God's eternal plan and view the church as nothing more than a burden. Or we can decide to stop dating the church and fall in love with the church and commit ourselves fully to the church. I believe that when we do that, we'll find that committing to the church is not a burden. It's a gift. And I think you'll find that committing to the church and, and, 
getting away from this dating and marrying the church. I think when you realize that and you fall in love with the church, you'll see that the church doesn't tie you down. You'll find that it anchors you through the storms of life. Folks, God wants the best for you. And it's a part of his divine, eternal plan for you to be involved in the church and to serve him in that body. And when we resist that, and when we try to stay at arm's distance and fail to get involved, we're destined for trouble and mistakes. Trust God. And if you've not committed fully to the church, why don't you do that today? Stop dating the church. Stop this relationship that goes on indefinitely where you want the benefits, but you're unwilling to accept any responsibility. Listen, the church, again, is not a burden. It's not a drag. It won't hold you down. It'll stabilize you, and it'll be an anchor for your soul. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel? Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. When you're baptized, the Lord adds you to his church and you begin living in a relationship with him. Maybe you're here this morning, you've already been baptized, but really when you look into that mirror of the soul, you say, I've just kind of been playing around, haven't I? I've really not been as committed as I should be. I've been dating the church. And I've not been in love with it. You know, we talk about things where we encourage people. We need to have a passion for lost souls. We need to have a passion for the poor. We need to have a passion for evangelism. Those are all great. But when's the last time you heard somebody say, we need to have a passion for the church? That's just as valid. If your passion for the church has waned, ask God to forgive you. Thank Him and and express your appreciation to Him for loving you by giving you the church and allowing you the honor to be a part of it. And then pick up what He wants you to do and get about that mission of being a part of His divine scheme of redeeming the world. If we can pray with you to help you be stronger and more faithful in your relationship to Christ through His church, uh, we would be more than happy to do that. If you need to respond, won't you come as we stand together and sing?